So, we're in the middle of a series here, a Christmas series, and we're looking at four different words that are typically associated with Christmas. We started with peace two weeks ago, then we did joy last week. Today we're going to talk about love, the next is hope. And so these are words commonly associated with Christmas. And so at the staff meeting, I asked them, I said, what, what images in, in culture, just in your life, makes you think of love? So we have a staff of five people, and we came up with about five or six different things that I made, got some pictures. I didn't make the pictures. I went online and found them. So Matthew, who is the oldest on staff, <laughs> close. Yeah, there's one person older. So um, he, he mentioned the image of the hippies from the 60s. Ma Matthew is a Jerry Garcia fan. Forgive him for that. But... Um, <laughs> And so I want you to see this picture. Found this picture. How many of you remember that? Oh, yeah. All you need is love. You learn later you need a little bit more than that, but nonetheless, you know. And then, and then, and then a dog's love for its master. But first, look at this picture. We look at dogs as love. Look at this picture. That's a beautiful picture of love and rejection. You know, and a few cat lovers, I'm sorry. But the next picture is the beautiful picture. Now, I remember a long time ago, I heard this man say a prayer. God, make me into the man my dog thinks I am. Because a dog loves. But let's go to the next picture. If you remember when you fell in love, I remember... When I first met Teresa, Teresa likes to hug people. And so she hugged me when we first met. And she hugged me for about a second longer than you think someone would. And I knew right then she loved me. I was wrong. Um, but the touch, human touch, that comes with affection, is, is, isn't it amazing, the power that comes with it? How about a baby and its mother? The love that comes from a mother for the baby or baby for the mother. I tried to find a good picture of Mary and the baby, but they were all that more religious art. I didn't like them. So this one I found, the joy and the love you see there, that's what we think of when we have love. And if those of you who had children, you know what it's like. But this last picture is the love that Christianity puts forth. And it's very different. It's very different than all the rest of them I put up there. Because in the culture of Rome, that is the most shameful way you can die. It's, it's filled with dishonor, incredible pain. And here we have the innocent Son of God dying for you and me. Why? Let me read to you John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, this is a famous verse. Everyone in this room has heard this verse multiple times, I'm sure. Whether you go to church regularly or not, this verse is, is ubiquitous in our world. When you hear it, what do you think of first? Of all this verse, what concept usually jumps out at you? 
So today we're focusing on God so loved. And gave his only son is very important for the world. In, in, in the Gospel of John and in John's writings in his letters, when he uses the word world, it's the word cosmos. The world, in, in John's theology, is not referring to the, the, the terra firma. It's not referring to the, this planet we live on. It's referring to the people and the system that is opposed to God. So when John says cosmos, he's talking about that which is opposed to God. And what does this say about God? That's, this congregation, we talk back. What does that say about God? God so loved that which was opposed to him that he sent his only son to save them from their ways. This is incredible, the love of God. That's what I want to talk about today. As we jump into this, I want to make sure, Elaine, I'm going to move this back. I'm sorry. I told her I'd just leave it there, but I'll walk like this now. I wonder in our culture if sometimes, well, first of all, does the love of God for you amaze you? Do you wonder sometimes in our culture, and I could be overstating it, um, I I'm certainly have this problem myself. Sometimes I kind of have a high view of myself. It's kind of like, well, of course God loves me. Doesn't everybody? I see heads going like this. That's not right. Um, that's, that's, that's an overconfidence on my part. Other people, so there's this, there's this high view of ourselves that our culture has put into our heads. You're a worthy person. There's the other end of the spectrum that you're just a worm that crawled out from under a rock. And you don't deserve anything good from God. And those two ends of the spectrum both have missed the point. We as human beings are image bearers of God. He made us in his image. We have great value to God. Great value. But we chose to turn our backs on God. And we sinned against him. And, and that put us in a place of being contrary to God. That world that's against him. His enemies, Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says. But he loves us. And so I want to avoid the overconfidence. Of course God loves me. I deserve it. And I want to avoid, you're just a worm that crawled out from under a rock. And you deserve nothing. We don't deserve anything from God, but because God made us in his image, he deeply loves us and wants to restore us back to relationship with him. So Ephesians chapter 2 describes us. It describes, I'm not going to read it to you, it describes us as people who were dead in our sins and trespasses. So we, we don't have any life with God because of our sins. It describes us as being under the power of the evil one, Satan. We don't know it but all humanity is. Then it describes this, it calls us children of wrath. In other words, the wrath of God abides on us, and that's a scary concept that we don't even like to talk about these days. But I just summarize that because I want you to hear the next two verses in Ephesians about the love of God. In spite of all that describes you and me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, but God, in light of all that, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We have mercy, we have love, and we have grace here. And when we were dead, we had no relationship with God because of our choices. 
He made a choice to redeem us. And it says made alive with Christ. What that means is in some mystical, beautiful, true, real way, when Christ died on the cross, we died on the cross. When Christ was burying the ground, we were burying the ground. When Christ was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead. And he gave us new life because of that. Because of the great love with which he loved us. God's intense love for you says something amazing about God more than what it says about you. That's what I want us to walk away with today. We should revel in the fact that we're objects of God's love. We truly should. We should just be, just amaze us. But what's amazing about it is that God loves us. It says something amazing about him. When, when we have too high a view of ourself, then it doesn't take much for God to, doesn't, like my mother, for instance, told us kids, told us kids we were wonderful. She constantly told us how much she loved us. My mother's past, I mean, no disrespect. But she constantly told us how much we were loved. And, and remember, I was raised the same time as Matthew back in the hippie days. And the 70s were not kind to my family. We did a lot of things people shouldn't do, and a lot of the drugs and all that decimated my family. But my mother constantly said, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved, I'll love you forever. So when I became a Christian, I had this high view of myself. Of course I'm loved. I have to remember, before God, I didn't do anything to deserve that love my mother gave me. But because of who, how great he is, he said, Tony, I deeply love you. Deeply love you. And though you're in rebellion, I put a plan together. My son on the cross, buried and raised again, to make you my child. And to make you in that person I originally created you to be. And that's for all of us. This gets to the verse that Elena and I were talking about, that we wanted to base this sermon on, or this whole, whole um, service on. The Apostle Paul is truly amazed by the love of God for him. And, and by the way, it talks about the Father loving you, it talks about the Son loving you. Both of There's passages on both. The Father sent his Son on the cross because he loves you. Jesus died on the cross because he loves you. So Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I'm going to walk you through that. The love of Christ compels us. It's a strong word. Where, where Paul is saying, now that I understand who I am before God and what he did to save me through his son. And Jesus willingly went to the cross for me. He was born. I know it sounds like I'm celebrating Easter here, huh? But you know what? Easter and Christmas, are, you can't disconnect them. Jesus was born. Gabby read the passage to make us children of God by believing in his name. That's why he became human. The light of the world became human to save us and make us children of God. Paul is overwhelmed by this, and he says this love that Jesus has for us compels us, and us is him and Timothy. That's who's writing this letter. We are compelled by this love of Christ because he died for us and made us alive. 
So what is our response, he says? Look at the, next, look at the verse there. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him for whose sake he died and was raised. Here's the response of the manger to the entire life of Jesus and to his death, burial, and resurrection, and he ascended to the right hand of God. And guess, guess what he's doing at the right hand of God right now? Just sitting there relaxing? He's interceding for you and me. He maintains our salvation. He makes our salvation certain from his birth to his current ministry at the right hand of the Father. That love should compel us to live our lives for him. And so, if you're here today and you say, I'm a Christian. Um, this isn't new to you if you've come to this church. But I want, us to, I want us to rethink Christmas is about what I get. Um, it is about what we get. We truly do get something wonderful. The love of God has given us his son. But because of that, what does that compel us to be and do? If we are what we be, I know it's bad English, what we be as children of God, then how do we live? That's where you talk back to me. We live like we belong to our Father as children of God. We reflect his character in our daily lives, loving him and loving others. That's the simplicity of being a child of God. It's said simply, it's difficult to live. I love him with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, and I love my neighbor a little bit. As myself. That's, that's an amazing thing. It's, it's a, a it's, not, it's not a job, it's not a task. It's an identity. That's what we have to get in our head. This is an identity. And we live out our identity as children of God by living to honor him and to serve our neighbors. Now, if you're here today and you say, I'm not a Christian. I came with a friend or family member checking this stuff out. I, I want to say to you, I'm so glad you're here, truly. But, but I want you to grasp what is being offered to you, starting with the birth of Jesus all the way through his resurrection and ascension. He's offering you redemption, to be redeemed and reconciled to God, which includes forgiveness of everything you've ever done wrong. Cleansed white, white as snow, it says. Then he offers you purpose and meaning and significance. It is a new life that says every day when I wake up, I am a child of God and dwelt by his spirit that have a purpose today to live to serve my God. And there's great significance in that. So, Gabby read the passage that Jesus made everyone who believes in his name a child of God. Today, I put that before all of us. If you're a Christian, you believe... Go to him again and revel in what he's done for you. If you're not a Christian here today and you want to know more about this, even right now, if this makes sense, if the Spirit of God is tugging at you, right now, call out his name. It says, all who call upon the name of the Lord in faith will be saved. Call out on him. It's an amazing life. It's an amazing journey. It's not an event. It's not simply an event whereby I'm forgiven, I good I want then. It is the entrance into a family 
and a world, an identity that has this purpose that brings incredible peace, joy, love, and come back in the week, hope. Let's pray. Father, you loved us so much when we were, had our backs to you. Lord, I, I never thought of you as my enemy. I was indifferent, didn't care. But your love chased me down and other people in this room, Lord, and opened our eyes to the beauty and holiness of your son. And you led us to that faith. Thank you, Father. And I pray for the people in this room who have already declared your son as their savior, that you remind each one of us, Lord, through your word, through your spirit, to who we are and why we wake up each day. Because we have a purpose each day to honor you in what we do and say. And I pray for the people in here, Lord, who don't know you yet, that you would, you would put that hand of conviction upon them to remind them of their sin, but to turn then to you to receive that mercy, that grace, and that love that you offer so freely. Thank you, Lord. And we love you in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to now take that offering I told you about. This is something we do every year, and, and we really enjoy ourselves sacrificing to help someone else who has needs. Um, and we are a mighty blessed people. God tells you to, he blesses you, tells you to enjoy your blessings. He also tells us to share our blessings. Here's an opportunity now to share with people who've lost their homes or with people on the other side of the world who, who need children, who need to be transported for daily life's purposes. So... The ushers are going to come around, and um, maybe, Christine, you can play something. I'm, I know this is, I'm, I know, oh, I just threw Christine under the bus. Um, so, I, you can do it. I know you can. So, thank you. And um, thank you for your generosity.